1: This is Charlie's mic, Charlie's mic, and this is Warren's mic, Warren's mic.
0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today, the final episode of A Wealth of Wisdom, our four-part series with Warren Buffett. Hi. Becky Quick sits down with the Oracle of Omaha after one heck of a year.
2: I learned that people don't know as much as they think they know, but the biggest thing you learn is that the pandemic was bound to occur, and this isn't the worst one that's imaginable at all.
0: What Buffett and partner Charlie Munger learned in their, oh, about six or seven decades watching the economy.
1: One of the interesting things about the system, though, is you can't take all the hardship out of it. It won't work.
0: Wealth, work, and staying humble, billionaire or not.
2: Wealth doesn't change people. It makes them more so if they're jerks to start with, they can be bigger jerks
0: outspoken and honest, the 90 and 97 year old Berkshire best friends on stimulus, the pandemic and the wisdom of age.
1: I will confidently predict the millennials are going to have a much harder time getting rich than our generation did.
3: Plus, only in this podcast, Becky Quack on what she's learned from Warren Buffett. It's not a complicated lesson. You should surround yourself by people who inspire you and people you don't want to disappoint because that's That's what it's all about, right? Just making sure
2: that we're all our best selves.
0: It's Friday, July 9th, 2021.
2: Never bet against America. So thanks.
0: Squawk Pod begins right after this. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. We're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC, and today we are wrapping up a special unscripted conversation with Squawk Box's Becky Quick and about 190-ish years of business wisdom, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. This is our fourth and final podcast on the wealth of wisdom of these two men. We've heard from the Oracle of Omaha and his right-hand man on the lessons of their younger days in business, taking the high road, risk, and Robin Hood. You can listen at any time if you're a follower of Squawk Pod. The entire series is in your feed. Buffett and Munger, 90 and 97, two Nebraska natives who have been friends for more than six decades and business partners for more than five. They built Berkshire Hathaway into one of the largest companies in America, a conglomerate owning railroads, car dealerships, insurance providers, party favors, candy and ice cream. It's a $600 billion plus powerhouse. Yeah, let me get myself. Pull up here. So here's what we're going to do. Becky Quick has been covering Berkshire and Buffett for years. We hopped on a zoom. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Okay. To talk about the personalities of these two partners and good friends.
3: They boil things down to a very simple level. They don't get caught up in a lot of BS. It, it, again, it's refreshing <laughs> kind of fun to see. Um, and the irreverence that they bring to it is probably the most fun. I remember the first time I ever interviewed Charlie Wow, it was was a long time ago at one of the Berkshire Hathaway annual meetings, I had set up something where I was going to get to sit down with him ahead of time. I think I was more nervous walking into that interview than any interview I've ever done because I knew enough from watching Charlie that if he thought I was stupid, he'd tell me. (laughs) (laughs) If he thought it was a dumb question, he'd tell me. First of all, thank you very much for joining us today. Delighted. I've always prepared and and studied and tried to walk into those interviews prepared (laughs) and ready to go. And again, it's a situation where you listen. Just listen and learn.
1: People are always quoting Mark Twain. Perhaps the comment was apocryphal. History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes.
0: For the record, Becky does not ask dumb questions. Here's one of her first interviews with Warren Buffett at the 2006
3: Berkshire Annual Meeting. Now, you still have more than $40 billion in cash, I'm guessing. Are you still looking around? You still have other things? Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm looking all the time. They don't? plan any time they sit down for any interview or for the annual meeting. They never talk things out in advance or say, who's going to say what? It's just fun to watch their minds work and how they play off of each other and how funny they are about it.
1: Mr. Buffett, I think we're going to see you right in, in this one,
2: inside. Would that be okay? That'd be perfect.
0: Becky sat down with Buffett and Munger in Charlie's backyard in California. Hi, how are you? And they hit on an idea that has some poignancy now. But that warren buffett has been talking about for years he is very very bullish on america and it's continued and continuing promise here he is in 1997 i
2: think the american economy does awfully well in encouraging adaptation
0: and in 2004 despite a war in iraq and increasing consumer debt
2: there's always problems in the future there are always opportunities in the future and in this country the opportunities have won out over the problems over time.
0: In 2009, just months after a devastating credit meltdown helped to plunge the U.S. into its worst economic crisis since the 1930s.
2: The one thing I know is that over time, people will live better and better in this country.
0: And last year, in 2020, at a stark virtual annual meeting, Buffett had a message about getting through hard times
2: we're dealing with a virus that spreads its wings in a certain way you know and you know there's all kinds of possibilities but i definitely come to the conclusion after weighing all of that sort of stuff, never bet against america so thanks yeah.
3: <laughs> thank you i appreciate okay, your you
2: and we'll see you next year this country is far better situated than when i was born and I was born at the optimum time in 1930, up to that point, in the optimum place, America, a male, which had a big set of advantages attached to it at the time. It's better now than it was then. Uh, but it, I was lucky that it wasn't 100 years earlier, 200 <laughs> years earlier. And and uh, Wall Street business, it's made, I mean, it is producing the the goods and services that that people like so much better than the goods and services they were receiving when I was born. It's worked. Uh, it can work a lot better, uh, in my view, but that'll always be true. And you would hope that, that anybody that was willing to work 40 hours a week in an economy that's a prosperous would not have trouble raising, uh, a couple of kids there's a lot of goods and services available in this country and uh, uh, there's, there always should be rewards for bringing forth things that are useful to society and we're rich enough now where we essentially can make, can have decent medicine and decent education uh, for everybody and some people don't fit well into a capitalist system. I wouldn't fit well into an athletic system. I mean, if it really paid off, whether you could a box the best. You could give me boxing lessons seven hours a day and I could read all kinds of books and do everything else. And and in the first round we'd find out what happens when somebody throws a punch at me. People, different people are, come out of the womb in different ways and and a society that's very, very rich and just like a family that's very, very rich should take care of the people.
1: One of the interesting things about the system though is that you can't take all the hardship out but it won't work. If you have a heat engine and if you don't have a big difference between a hot and cold in the same damned engine you can't get any work out of the engine. That's the law of physics. Similarly in an economy if everybody had an unearned income the whole economy would fail. You has to have a certain amount of hardship in it or the economy doesn't work. And so you never want to get the hardship to zero. You want to get it as low as you can get it, it without, it without doesn't,
2: ruining the system. Doesn't but if you, you take all the hardship out, then the whole system will fail. It doesn't need extreme hardship, or as it gets more prosperous, it doesn't need that much hardship because there's always something extra people will want. So, so you know, the, the idea that everybody should have three meals a day doesn't... Uh, And if you give them three meals a day, it doesn't destroy the incentive to have (laughs) greater meals. No, 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 no. No, But but, 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 you see it
1: in nobody
2: wants more hardship
1: than the system needs to flourish and prosper. But you try and take the the hardship down to below zero or near zero and the whole system will fail. I've known a lot of doctors that ended up filthy rich. And they had one thing in common. They all stopped seeing patients.
2: We don't want to create greater hardship in order to have this No, we don't. We don't. I'm just mentioning it. What hardships do we need in order to be more productive citizens, Charlie? Well, you have
1: to need the... No, we don't need it. We're not. But if every 20-year-old kid got 1,000 a week or something, you would have a lot of trouble getting any work done.
2: You would have a lot, but oh, we'd want 2,000 a week.
0: The investment portfolio at Berkshire Hathaway tops $300 billion, including stakes in Coca-Cola, Apple, Bank of America, Verizon, American Express. Buffett and Munger's investment strategy, buy companies you know and hold them for a very long time, delivered market-beating performances for four and a half decades. But the Berkshire portfolio has lagged the S&P 500 for the last five and 10 years. Lost their touch? Eh, they aren't concerned.
1: I'm quite comfortable holding Berkshire. I I think our businesses are better than the average in the market.
0: Our businesses, the list of companies that are wholly or partially owned as Berkshire Hathaway subsidiaries, features longstanding American household names. Kraft Heinz, Fruit of the Loom, Dairy Queen, Geico, Duracell, and a big family of brands like this is unusual in corporate America.
3: They don't believe in a lot of bureaucracy. And and it's a really interesting experiment because it's different than any of the other big companies that you look at. And, And there's something to be said. I think they both you know, kind of get the hives at the thought of too much bureaucracy. They think it slows things down, makes things counterproductive. They don't like to see it in philanthropy. They don't like to see it in business. They like to streamline things. And there's really something great about that when you have a close working relationship with the people who are actually running the businesses.
1: Becky, we have accidentally created a very interesting experiment in how, Well, a really big place can be run on a very non-bureaucratic basis with extreme decentralization. We're like a test case for how extreme you can make it. And I would say so far that it's worked better. We get more advantages than disadvantages out of our hands-off management.
2: That's true. Do you agree with that? That's true. We get very few people who want to copy us.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. Nobody wants to copy us. And... And yet, if, it people, works. if people study us, they'd find it, at it least works. the way we're doing it, it works way better.
2: Yeah. It has certain disadvantages. At, yes. At when you trust people, occasionally trust is, 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 is misused. But but net, it's worked. It's uh, a it, useful it's experiment
1: that we've done. And I per- confidently predict that someday we'll, somebody will find out that some of this dumb bureaucracy could be eliminated. We'll be better off. Just it, as we found we can eliminate some business travel. We're going to find we can get rid of some dumb bureaucracy
2: in it, American corporations. It works at large scale, but it doesn't work to produce the kind of returns that I mean, You can't. It isn't like we've got something that produces extraordinary returns, but, but it can be a very decent business at scale operating don't in a way. do you think
1: that, we've done better than we would have been if we'd copied the centralized management
2: system? Like, I, I well, I, I wouldn't have wanted to work there. <laughs> Fine, <laughs> no, uh, no, no, of not. <laughs> I'd resign or have resigned or been fired. <laughs> yeah. No, I would, I'd rather be in a jail cell with a few people that were interesting <laughs> you know, and plenty of reading material than, than... No,
1: what you're saying is we may have done it. We have created the decentralization because it suited our nature. Absolutely, But we've accidentally but created, created an experiment. Yeah. We've demonstrated that it can, can work on a big scale. Yeah. That will eventually prove useful, I think. It's working on a big scale.
0: Another experiment, the U.S. economic response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Stimulus checks, direct payments from the federal government, have helped millions of Americans boost their finances. $1,200 checks from the pandemic's earliest days, followed a few months later by another 600
2: So you're talking about a $6.2 trillion bill, nothing like that. And this will deliver urgently needed relief to our nation's families, workers, and businesses. And uh, that's what this is all about.
0: And the American Rescue Plan in March 2021 distributed $1,400 checks.
2: This bill represents a historic, historic victory for the American people.
0: Relief payments were meant to soften the blow from the overnight changes the pandemic brought to our economy. But there's debate. Some people probably needed the money more than others. Are the money and things like enhanced unemployment benefits keeping people from working?
3: Do you have trouble finding employees in any Berkshire businesses right now?
2: Uh, in a few, yeah, and it's coming. I mean, you can feel it. And the demand is just overwhelming for uh, lots of goods. I mean, the, the money's out there, and people want to buy things with it. And people that have never had $1,400 in their pocket before, or anything close to $1,400, because they, they'd sort of worked out what their car payments would be and their house payments would be. It was designed that they didn't have any money yet. And if they get $1,400 in their pocket, some people will, will save some of it, some of them... Uh, we'll go to Hood and, and uh, start gambling on stocks, and 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 uh, uh, but a lot of them just go out and buy something, and 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 there's certain things that they they can't buy. They can't buy live entertainment now, so they can't they can't go and watch somebody. You know, that, it's going to open up on that. But but that that element is out. Uh, a trip to Europe is out, or anything. so. Not only do they have extra money, but they have somewhat less uh, choice. So. If you're in the arena where they can play, buying things for their home or whatever it may be, it's a boom. So, know, what
3: businesses can you not find employees for? Where?
2: Well, we are we are hiring people, looking for people at a good many of our businesses, and we also have a disrupted supply chain, so that actually is another. Uh, but that that just makes people hungrier for. For
1: products, the uh, ports are so crowded that you have, you're oh. definitely getting this stuff through the ports. There's a big boom going on in some places.
2: But when he said ports, for a second I thought he said courts. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. In, in terms of of insurance claims in certain areas, there just haven't been any cases. I mean, they the, the courts are uh, they were the courts are closed, but the number of people that have more money in their pocket are uh, in better shape with lower credit card balances or a little more savings or something because they received some checks out of the blue. They won the lottery in a very small way. I mean, you've had it said 85% president said checks went to. Those are 85% lottery checks. <laughs> <laughs> people won. No, they they won a prize. <laughs> and, and, and they react as different people do when they win the prize. Some people save. Some people reduce debt. Some people spend. And they're spending.
1: But, of course, the restaurants still have a lot of agony.
2: But not takeout
1: restaurants. No, takeout. takeout. Oh, it's unbelievable.
2: No, Dairy Queen, we thought we would, you know, when the pandemic broke out, we were working out delaying royalties, and we'd seen all the Dairy Queens. There were swallows in China, clothes. All. We thought it was going to be a disaster. And Dairy Queen, same store sales, you know, it, it just, just month after month, just gained dramatically in the United States and Canada, and, and uh, but, they, but they've gone to takeout. I I never thought I'd see (laughs) lines either. uh, So it's been very good for certain types of food outlets, but that's because it's terrible for other kinds of of food outlets. It's it's, it's so, you know, we got money out to a a lot of people, but if you had a small dry cleaning establishment or a small restaurant that didn't have to take out, you know, you saved your, over your life. You may have borrowed some money from relatives to do it. You've killed yourself on it. And I, I think we ought to just go overboard in trying to locate those people. But I will tell you this: that at Netjets, you know, our people fly in their, in their planes. They own a fraction of them. But it looked initially like the total business had just totally stopped. We had 600 pilots in Europe and 80 planes, and there was one day we had one flight. I don't know who that guy was, but yeah. I mean, one flight. And in the United States, we had about two thousand pilots, and we had about four hundred and some planes. And there were days when we had twenty flights. We thought the roof was going to fall in, and you know, it's, it just came back. And not 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 business travel the same way, but it just overwhelmingly came back. Seven seven of our competitors got big sums of grants. From the U.S. government. Now it may have looked like they needed them for about two days, but the the next seven companies we didn't we didn't take any money. It looked like we might need it, <laughs> but, but we didn't ta- take any. Money. And, and I can understand them applying on the first day. I can't understand the government actually looking at what was happening and, and giving a lot of money to these next seven guys. It irritates our management, but we're we're doing fine. <laughs> well. Of course they're
1: gonna make some mistakes when they have to sure. act as quickly as they did. And I'd like the
2: mistakes to be giving money to the small people and not,
1: not the big ones. And of course there's modern monetary theory that says you can print money a lot faster than we previously thought. It's, it's worked very so far. it's worked so so far. <laughs> Beautifully so far.
0: Coming up on squawk pod
2: Charlie and I have been ungodly lucky in many ways.
0: Luck? longevity, and living in interesting times.
1: Oh, I fall in love with Zoom.
3: How often do you talk to people on Zoom?
1: At least three times a day. Support for
0: this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 Upstream Methane Intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Okay, we're back. And thank you for listening to Squawk Pod. On the first Saturday in May from the 1970s to 2019, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger could be found in Omaha on stage. Morning, and uh,
2: welcome to Berkshire Hathaway. Schmoozing with shareholders.
3: We made
0: it. Shopping for Heinz Ketchup, Brooks Running Shoes, or any of the products made by the 60 some Berkshire portfolio companies. From Australia. Buffett also runs a newspaper tossing competition in ode to one of the few jobs he ever had with a boss. The Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting grew in size from about 20 people in the National Indemnity Insurance Company lunchroom to more than 40,000 crowding into Omaha's biggest convention center until the COVID-19 pandemic forced the meeting, like everything else, to go virtual. In 2020, Buffett ran the meeting in Omaha with just Berkshire Hathaway Vice Chairman Greg Abel at his side.
2: We'll go to Becky Quick, who for a couple of hours will uh, grill me and and Greg on uh, questions she's selected from a huge batch that I'm told she's received. In
0: 2021, Buffett and Munger were back together on stage. The shareholders were virtual. The meeting was held in Charlie's hometown of Los Angeles.
2: We will go to uh, Becky Quick and and, uh, she will ask any of the four of us questions she has selected and which uh, she doesn't share with us. So Becky, over to you.
3: The last year, you both had your lives Changed pretty dramatically from the pandemic, I hear. Charlie, I hear you're you're pretty adept at Zoom.
1: Oh, I fall in love with Zoom.
3: How often do you talk to people on Zoom?
1: At least three times a day. I made a deal in Australia. I, all I can say is, I fall in love with Zoom.
2: They must have done it on Zoom. I mean, obviously, this deal was a no deal. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: and, yes, and it's. No, I, I think Zoom is here to assist. It's just. Adds so much convenience.
2: Well, particularly for 97. <laughs> Getting around. But Charlie and I have talked a lot, obviously. We haven't talked on Zoom yet. I mean, it, it, Well,
1: but it's not because... I'm, I'm a
2: non-Zoom guy. <laughs> no. Why don't you like Zoom? Well, I don't see any plus to it, particularly. And I, I did it once or twice, and that had a whole screen of people. Uh, 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 I just didn't think it was adding experience. I'd rather have my, you know... Beat on the desk and and uh, I, I find the telephone a very satisfactory instrument. I mean,
3: <laughs> so, how does life change post pandemic? How does work change? And and how does it go back to normal? I guess. What, what do you think happens? Well, I think
1: a lot of business travel will never come back. Just corporation after corporation deciding one meeting a year, two meetings a year in person, and the rest Zoom. And I think that's here to stay. Yeah. And of course, what's happened to Office demand is just. Think of the agonies in that field now, and a lot of people have found they don't need to be there. I think a lot of people are going to decide work three days a week and stay home the other. I think all kinds of things are going to happen that we we don't go back to what we did before.
2: Some of our businesses will change a lot, and some of them won't change hardly at all. But, uh, it'll be interesting. I I would say this. In terms of the, the whole pandemic, in terms of predicting both the economic and how the virus would behave, you know, it it, it surprises us in a lot of ways. Surprises, you know, at the and we still don't know. We know a lot about this virus. There's a lot of things we don't know yet. And and, and if you look at the graphs of of how it's hit different countries and everything, it it, it just shows you what uh, how a very advanced uh, economically world can get disrupted by something that uh, in ways that even when you're in it you can't predict. But
1: some people did better than we did. Again, the Chinese simply, totalitarian state, they simply shut down the country for six weeks. And that turned out to be exactly the right thing to do. And they didn't let any contact. You picked up your groceries in a box and the Department and that's all the kind of you had with anybody for six weeks and when it was all over they kind of went back to work. It happened they did it exactly right.
2: But, a lot of, it, but there are other cases of shutdowns and the shutdowns really, they, they thought they were model examples and then now they're, 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 they're experiencing problems and then you had other countries, you know, yeah, like, no, su- just, yet like, other countries like Sweden Sweden says, Sweden says we're not going to do it and they seem to be working fine for a while and then it, This has been very, very, very unpredictable.
1: Very difficult, yeah.
2: And it's not over. I mean, in terms of the unpredictability uh, and in terms of the economic, it's been very unpredictable, but it's worked out better than uh, people anticipated for most people and most businesses. And it's just, for no fault of their own, it's just decimated all kinds of people and their hopes. It didn't
1: create just a return to normal. It created fabulous success they didn't anticipate. The auto dealers are coining money that they wouldn't have had except for the
2: pandemic. Sure. Coining money. And we own 80 some to auto dealers and we were preparing for disaster. And all of the dealers, we have partners in each dealership, they very sincerely felt that that they were going to have one hell of a problem in March and April. Some might have wanted to go in for the Assistance from the government, we wouldn't let them because they're a rich parent. But, but uh, they honestly believed it. We honestly believed it. We we didn't know what was going to happen with net jets in terms of the demand, and uh, it has been, you know, it's been just been different than a lot of people thought. The banks were scared stiff in the middle of March. I mean, they They saw everybody taking down their lines of credit. Why do people take down their lines of credit when they don't need it? Because they're afraid it won't be there next week.
0: It's become such a part of our lives now. Social distancing, remote work, masks. COVID-19 pandemic arrived last spring and rocked the economic system in this country.
2: It's an extraordinary, extraordinary uh, shock. Uh, Unlike anything certainly that's happened in my lifetime.
0: That's Jay Powell, chair of the Federal Reserve. The Fed, the U.S. central bank, went to unprecedented measures to prop things up.
2: The Fed takes actions such as these only in extraordinary circumstances, like those we face today.
0: Supporting U.S. corporate bonds and helping companies brace for impact when our spending behavior, our earning behavior changed so much, so fast.
2: We're committed to using our full range of tools uh, to support the economy in this challenging time. We're going to use them forcefully, proactively, and aggressively. And if you get enough people believing something won't be there next week in banking, it won't be there next week, absent the Federal Reserve. So we, we had a run on money market funds. I mean, we had something that was, looked even more serious, I would say, than 2008 and 2009, uh, because we had the physical problems on top of all the economic and it was coming faster. It, we just don't know what the virus is going to do. And we don't we know a whole lot about it and we don't and we've had very good luck and, and smarts on vaccines. But the virus isn't uh, I, I, I hope it's done and I or close to done and I think it's the odds are very good that it's close to done, but I, I do not think it's a certainty whatsoever.
3: One thing that maybe surprised you most, something you learned the last year?
2: I learned that people don't know as much as they think they know, but the biggest thing you learn is that pandemic was bound to occur and this isn't the worst one that's imaginable at all and Bill Gates could give a TED talk and have millions of people listen and everybody nods their head and agrees with him and the nuclear threat initiative which i participated in brings out a massive report and uh, working with with, uh, uh, Johns Hopkins and everything and nobody pays any attention to it about it and people have a terrible time Society has a terrible time preparing for things that are remote that are possible, and uh, we we 've lost five hundred and sixty or seventy thousand, actually a little more now because some of the deaths are unrecorded and it, it, the world doesn 't prepare well, we know that we know there's a nuclear chemical biological and now cyber threat, and we know, you know it has each one of those has terrible possibilities. Charlie and I have been ungodly lucky in many ways, but the luckiest thing was actually being around at this time and place. And we also had these problems on how to 200 countries with over 7.5 billion people and a lot of tensions between them and all sorts of things and different systems of selected governments and all that. And how do we actually do this so that mankind, 50 and 100 and 200 years from now, should enjoy the incredibly better life that could be enjoyed, while not screwing it up.
3: (laughs) Charlie, how about you?
2: Well,
1: how could I not be thankful for the way life is unraveled in my life? It's just, it's almost incredible. I remember 10 cent a bushel corn, 25 cent a bushel wheat. You know, I remember people coming to the door wanting to do a little work around the house to get a meal. And, and the Great Depression went on and on and didn't fix. And to have the world be as peaceful as it's been and as prosperous as it's been and all these new things be invented, of course, it's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful life for all of us.
2: And not all of us. No, no, not all of us. Oh, no, and the rich want to accumulate more chips, which they can't use. You know, I mean, they they, uh, they have more claim checks on the labor and of the rest of the world, what, which is what money is. It's a claim check on other people's out, output in the future. And, uh, you know, there has been a big tilt toward the, particularly toward the super wealth. It, it's not because they're terrible people. Wealth doesn't change people. It makes them more so if they're jerks to start with. They can be bigger jerks. And if they're good people, they can actually make them even better people. It's a better world, but it's, a, it's actually a somewhat, well, it, if you look at the deaths of, of, children five years and younger in the world, it's been cut in half in the last, I don't know, 40 years or thereabouts. I mean, we, we're we making some progress in the world, just generally, as a world. Uh, but I also think that uh, the nature of capitalism is that as it gets more specialized, more of the rewards flow to the top. I mean, if we were living in 1800 and we we're all a bunch of farmers pretty much, or shopkeepers, the difference between the best employee and the worst employee might be one and a half to one or two to one. It's extended enormously. You know, if if, if you're the best on on television, <laughs> you you make a lot of money, and if you're if you're just one layer down, it's, it's jumping off a cliff. Same way in baseball. I mean, in the Triple A ball, you make some money, and if you somehow get to the bigs. You've got a ratio where you're making 100, maybe 200 times what Joe DiMaggio or Ted Williams was making. And it's not, because, it's not because you're a better ball player, It's because the stadium's increased from 30,000 people to 300 million people. And that's because some guy discovered television and then cable television and then pay television and then regional sports networks. And all these things outside, you increase the size of the stadium. So capitalism pays off much bigger now as society gets more advanced, the, the range between the top and the number 20 or the number 50 or the number 100 in any,
1: any or area. And all that is true, but at the same exact time I will confidently predict the millennials are going to have a much harder time getting rich than our generation did. I love they, the start with a, they start with a big high valuation for everything and the houses have been driven up to ridiculous prices in the places where there's big demand it's going to be very hard for the next generation it's going to be more equality of outcome in the next generation because it's going to be so hard for most people to get rich
2: or even well off people are going to be living better 20 or 50 years yes but it's going to
1: be distributed more equally i think because of
2: so far, it's gone oh, wait, the other way, Charlie. they just yes, they reduced uh, the tax uh, rates for us. Like. Yes. No. No.
1: No. So far, it's gone the other way. But I think the, I think everything's going to go back the other way. I think I think, uh, equality is going to have a good day going forward.
2: We'll see. What well, we won't see is we'll next, we'll never have, No, we won't see. <laughs>
0: So 60 plus years of deal making, friendship, investment in companies, in society, in the future, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger find one of their biggest successes to be their partnership. Here's what Becky said about it.
3: It's not a complicated lesson. It's probably just one we don't sit and reflect on often enough. You should surround yourself by people who inspire you and people you don't want to disappoint um, because that's. That's what it's all about, right? Just making sure that we're all our best selves. And I, it's, it's such a universal truth. I think all of us can kind of look at the relationships we've had over the years and what inspires you to do better. And it's really those people who put faith in you. And wow, you don't want to let them down. You two have been friends for over 60 years. And I'll just ask you one final question. What's one thing that you really admire about the other?
1: Well, I like the humor and all that, but dependable is really important.
2: Warren, what do you admire about Charlie? Well, I, I, I I admire (laughs) really just the kind of person he has been. I mean, he is a, he has contributed uh, to given individuals and also to society. I mean, he he goes well beyond. uh, buying a stock and selling it higher. <laughs> he's designed dormitories and helped build them, you know, it's, it's an uphill fight all the time. But Charlie has worked on big problems and he's and he doesn't need to. But all the time, you know, I mean Charlie has never shaded anything he's told me, you know, since we met in terms of presenting it to me in a a different way than reality or he's never he's never done anything I've seen that's self serving in terms of being a partner, in any kind of way, I, he uh, he makes me better than I would otherwise be. I don't want to well, disappoint him. you had him. the
1: same thing in reverse.
2: Yeah. It, well, it works. It does work that way. I mean, yeah. it, it's better to associate with people who are better than you are. <laughs> I
1: mean, it, it really is. It's, it, it's so. It's uh, It really helps.
2: And if you associate with people who are worse than you are, I mean, you are really in trouble. I mean, you're go, you're gonna you're gonna descend into it. I, mean, I went through that three or four month period. At, uh, now I was reacting to some other things but I started you know when the other kids stole stuff I stole stuff and I was not going the right direction for a while <laughs> and, and you want to you want people to going in a better direction and take you along with them.
3: <laughs> gentlemen, I want to thank you both very much for your time today. We really appreciate it. That's great. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> You'd rather be in jail <laughs> than work at a corporation.
0: And that's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Thank you for listening to A Wealth of Wisdom, our special series with the two hardest working 90-somethings around, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Squawk Pod is produced by me, Katie Kramer, Cameron Costa, and Caroline O'Brien. This podcast is edited by John Lazration. Special thanks to Becky Quick, CNBC's managing editor, Lacey O'Toole, Alex Crippen, the mastermind behind the Warren Buffett archive, buffett.cnbc.com, and thanks to the Nebraska State Archives. And hey, like and follow SquawkPod wherever you listen. Leave a rating or write a review if you're so inclined. Tweet us at SquawkCNBC and have a great weekend. We'll meet you back here on Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.